0: Hello everyone, welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast or welcome back if you have been tuning in for a while. On today's episode, I'm going to be sharing my thoughts on how you can maintain self-discipline and focus even if and when your friends or your community are not doing so. And this is something I have personally experienced myself from college through post-grad life And especially in post-grad years, I noticed that most of us start to realize that we have to figure out just a sense of direction that we want to go towards. That doesn't mean we have to figure out what we want in life. It doesn't mean we have to figure out life, right? But I think for obvious reasons, it is important to pick a direction and start working towards it and a good chunk of that time it does involve self-discipline and sacrifice and being able to keep your eye on the ball is what I used to say in tennis or just keep your focus. This is something I have practiced in my childhood years when I was a figure skater and tennis player. I certainly had to give up and sacrifice on some of my social life in order to stay focused in skating And I have admitted this on the podcast before, but it's actually something I kind of regret as a teenager that I wish I had more self-discipline back then because I did cave into some of the normal high school life um, back in the day. And in my opinion, that was a big part of why I didn't fully make it in my skating career. I mean, I certainly did wonderful and have been able to pivot and utilize my skating background and career into my career today. But if there is one thing in my entire life that I wish I could redo, if there was an option, it probably would be my skating life. I wish I would have tried harder. I honestly remember when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, and I was thinking about the Olympics that were potentially available to me. So I think that was... 2018, 2022, and maybe 2014, I guess. I think 2014 was a little bit of a stretch, but 2018 and 2022 were realistic to me um, at the time when I was envisioning it. But I mentioned that because I think for me, that's where a lot of my self-discipline comes from today is because I remind myself that I didn't have it. And I'm not criticizing myself or saying I fully regret it I think there is a huge lesson learned because now that I recognize it I'm able to translate it into my life today and I ask myself all the time well Emily what do you wish you could have done differently back then right and my answer has consistently been that I wish I tried harder yet I I truly wouldn't change that part of my life because it has molded me into who i am today and i am grateful for the experiences that have led me to who i am today so it really is kind of like that double-edged sword so i don't really live with regrets in that sense but if someone was like okay gun to the head what would you say you regret or could redo that's probably the only thing in my entire life i would quote unquote redo so i take that into my life today because i think another thought I have as well on a daily or weekly basis is I just remind myself that I don't want to be 30 five years from now and wish that I had done my 20s differently and I tend to listen to those who are in their 30s now and 40s and kind of hear what they wish they did differently and one of the lessons I actually tend to hear a lot from especially for people in their 40s and 50s is that they wish they did take the chance to live in a specific city or just a metro city in general. And that was a big catalyst for me when I was thinking about why I should move to New York City. This was actually at a time when I was honestly not that interested in moving to New York just because I was... Number one, kind of nervous about the change. And number two, I was super content in Los Angeles. And so I was trying to talk myself out of it. But then when I heard these wishes from people who are 20, 30 years older than me, I was like, hmm, okay, they have a point there. They they do look back and wish that they could have done some of that differently. And so I always take mental note from people who are 10, 20 years older than me um, or just older than me in general who may have specific life lessons that would be applicable to me, I try to take mental note of those lessons and reconsider some of my decisions as I'm going through my life. And most importantly, when I look at people who are my mentors or people that I look up to, I recognize that that kind of success or lifestyle or whatever it is that we want to call it, it did not come without sacrifices and a certain level of focus and discipline. And so I always ask myself, what do I want now versus what do I want most? And that is ultimately how I make my decisions and how I maintain my self-discipline. But I will elaborate more in this episode on just my overall thoughts and my two biggest tips on how to do this. So with that being said, we will dive into it. I've always believed the foundation of our fulfillment in life doesn't come from our success but rather the strength of our relationships, not only with others, but also with ourselves. And how we develop a deeper connection is through self-reflection and purposeful conversations with those around us, especially like-minded individuals. And that is exactly why I created the What Fulfills You card game, to cultivate both more meaningful relationships with others, as well as ourselves on the journey of personal growth. I certainly use these questions as a guide for journal prompts and weekly check-ins with myself, and of course, when I am playing this game with friends on a Friday night in, you bet I am enjoying it with a glass of wine or two, who knows. Shop the card game now at whatfulfillsyou.com and enjoy an exclusive 10% off for listeners only with the code WHATFULFILLSYOU10 at checkout. That's WHATFULFILLSYOU10 at checkout at WHATFULFILLSYOU.COM. Enjoy! So today's topic is going to be around how I maintain self-discipline and focus even if and when my friends aren't or weren't and so I'm going to be sharing this from personal experience while in college as well as post-grad life because when I dive into the first rule I think a lot of you guys might be like well that might not be the case for me yet and I will share how I cultivated that environment for myself but I know this is a question I get a lot from listeners and just in general people always think that I have a lot of self-discipline and focus and I, I will admit, like I think a big part of it came from my competitive athletic background, so if you're new here, I was a former competitive figure skater and USTA-ranked tennis player, and so more or less, I was a very intense competitive athlete as a child, so from like seven years old through 18, pretty much. I was competing in USTA tournaments, as well as figure skating competitions, and that required a lot of sacrifice and discipline from me as a kid and so that has parlayed over to today however, I will say that it is sometimes a struggle for me still to this day like no one's perfect, we're all human and we all have those days where we just want to not do anything or we maybe get into a, a rut over a month and you're like alright wow, um, my discipline has not been on point, in fact I will admit my discipline for waking up early has not been on point and only this past weekend did I really check myself and I was like, all right, Emily, this is not going okay. Like I used to wake up easily at 6am, sometimes even 5, 5.30 just so I could be at a workout class at 6am. Now I definitely don't feel like I need to do that kind of extreme anymore just because like it. It, it doesn't make a huge difference for me. But personally, I try and aim to be awake and out of my bed no later than 6.30 a.m., ideally 6 a.m. But over the past, I want to say month or month and a half, maybe, it's been hard to keep track. I have been waking up more around... 8 or 8 30. Even there were some days where it was inching towards 9 a.m. And that is really unusual for me. In fact, in college, my senior year of college, I was waking up at 7 a.m. and I didn't like have to be, but I did it as a discipline format. And so it's kind of funny. Um, But I, I say that because, again, this is not meant to make anyone feel bad if you don't feel like you have the discipline yet because even for me, I'm sharing this while I recently am getting my shit together again and getting my discipline back on track. And for the record, there is nothing wrong either if you do wake up 8, 8.30, 9 a.m. I have a few friends that do that as well. I think you have to understand what drives you and what works best for you. And I really love when I can be up and at it like, just, I, I like to take my time in the morning, so that's why I like to be up early, but I'm not working that early either. Like, I actually don't want to be working or touching my computer until, like, 10 a.m., actually. Um, but that does mean I still, you know, I, I still answer emails and I still do things around 7, sometimes 8 p.m. as well. But I like to give myself a mindful morning, so... That's personally why I like to be up early. And it just always has made my brain feel better. But make no mistake, that lifestyle or that routine is not meant for everyone. And I do not believe that waking up early is the way to success. I think you can still be waking up at whatever time feels best for you and most aligned for you. As long as you are still able to live your life effectively. So my first tip And the biggest rule is to surround yourself with those that actually have a similar vision, discipline, and or drive. Now, like I said earlier, some of you might be like, well, I don't feel like I have those type of people around me right now. And I will say this from experience, that was me when I was in college, when I was 20 or 21, and I was transitioning and and just going through a big transformation in my life personally I realized that I was not surrounded by people that had a similar vision and discipline and that was a big part as to why I kind of went a different direction for I guess like the first year and a half or two ish of college and it bothered me and so I set an intention when I was around 20 or 21 years old To be surrounded by like minded people. That was a non negotiable for me. And for me, that even meant being cutthroat about who I allowed into my friend circle. And in terms of like who I consider a friend, who I consider someone that I can trust and talk to. And I don't even have a friend circle. I'm more of the type of person that has. Various friends and individual friends and you know, they might all come together like for a birthday or something for me but I Have different parts of my life that I have friends for if that makes sense And so obviously it took me many years before reaching the community of women and men I am currently surrounded by which I'm so grateful for but when I was thinking about Why is it that I have this community now? my best answer for you is that it's because I did not settle. And so going back to being kind of cutthroat about who I would allow into my friend's sphere, an example of that would be when I was a junior in college, when I first transferred to the new university I graduated from, Chapman, I met a girl on like my first day there in, in our first class, and we hit it off, we were you know vibing well, But I remember over time, there was just a lot of misalignment in the way we approached life. And especially, too, I remember she had asked me if I wanted to skip class to, I think, maybe go smoke weed or something. And that was kind of the final straw for me. Um, And again, to each their own. It's not a judgment thing. I don't judge people for what they do with their life because it's not my business. But with that being said, I won't give up what I'm going after or what I'm there for or the tuition I'm paying for uh, just to kind of appease a friend or try to get closer to someone because what's the point in that when that person isn't aligned with me anyways, right? Like you can see the signs where this person is not really on the same track as you, or maybe they don't really care to be going down a similar route, and that's totally fine. But now that I am out of college and I am, you know, in my mid-20s now, I look at my friends throughout my childhood and or college, and truthfully, if they are not aligned now in terms of values and kind of what they want for their life, like just like a general perspective of what they want for their life I do hold them at a distance and it's not something quote-unquote mean either because it's something um my mom would say she'd be like oh wow Emily like that's really mean and all these things and it's the way she interprets it but in my life experience and in my mind and I've had this conversation with many of my like-minded friends as well where we've all agreed that it is just part of life that you grow and you change and you go through different chapters of life and sometimes the people that were once super close to you, they might not be your day ones later on, right? But they might still be in the outer ring if you, you know, if you think about it. I, I, my dad always told me like, you know, there's kind of like the three circles where like there's like the inner one and then there's like the, the second one in the middle and then there's the the outer ring, which is the last one. And so the inner one, you know, you have maybe like, I don't know, like three to five people in there, uh, give or take, right? And then out in that middle ring, you might have like five or eight people in that middle ring. And then outside of that, you might have more, right? Those are kind of like close acquaintances, but they're not, and, and you can trust them, you can rely on them, but they're not, you know, your inner circle friends. And so sometimes people will move within those rings too. And that is really okay. And and I can say for myself that I think a lot of people that I have met after college have been closer to me than the people I met during college and in my childhood. There's probably only, I want to say give or take three or four people from my childhood, including like middle school, high school, that I still talk to on a close basis. And part of it is because, you know, maybe some of them are in New York City with me, or some of them, like Dana, who's been on the podcast, she's just really aligned with me, has always been really trustworthy, has always been there for me. So that's one case. Um, But then even college, some of the people I was super close with, We are all on different paths now, and that's just kind of how life works when, you know, you go through post-grad life. And it's sometimes sad to think about, but if you ask anyone older who's been through it, they will tell you the same thing, that that's just part of life. But in terms of being surrounded by those people, even if it's not physically, you can still be mentally surrounded by these people. So for example, if you have a friend that lives in a different city, touch base with them once or twice a month and, and check in. And this might sound weird to some of you, but for me and some of my entrepreneur friends, we have a Zoom call scheduled every six weeks and it's automated in our calendars because we're just nerds like that. But it works for us. It's a great way to touch base. It's a great way to keep up with our lives, but then also help Get opinions on things and especially with objective opinions I love when I touch base with my entrepreneur friends because they are more of my business friends versus personal friends but I still go to dinner with them and still do those things but it's nice when I get to ask them an opinion on something that's going on in my personal life and they have always provided a really objective viewpoint on it and have always actually given me some really good advice so I love that aspect of the digital world today you can easily touch base with people send people a text and I'm really mindful of that too if I notice certain people don't make a note to stay in touch with me you know once every two three months even then I take that as a note and that doesn't mean I will be resentful in reaching out to people. I still do it all the time. I'm very forward like that and I love to touch base with people. But if I'm always the one saying hey or checking in, I make a mental note of that and those people might go towards the outer circle and you know, that's okay. On the other hand, if you don't have friends in a different city and you're kind of where I was at when I was 20, 21 with very little friends and didn't really have people you know, to talk to, then my advice would be to listen to audiobooks and podcasts by thought leaders that you look up to or kind of serve as a mentor for you because this is how I did it when I was in college And some of those mentors for me were Tony Robbins, Jenna Kutcher from the Gold Digger podcast, Ray Dalio, Tim Ferriss. And when I get to hear their thoughts and their interviews every single week, it started to form my mentality and my perspective of the rest of the world as well. And so when I became more molded into that framework, I was able to slowly attract like-minded people as well who were interested in the same topics or who had the same values. I'll even give two personal examples of my friends today and these are actually some of my friends that I met after college but one of them Sophie she's actually been on the podcast before talking about her experience with law school and everything you need to know on that. So I will link that episode in the show notes. But she is someone that I know is just super focused on her career. And she's graduating from Georgetown Law School this May. And she's also the type of person that just doesn't fuck around or let distractions get to her like partying because she wants to graduate top 10% of her class. And I remember uh, there was a time uh, probably months ago where I was like, hey, do you want to like... to this over the weekend and she's like yeah I would love to but you know right now it's so tight for me because it's midterms or finals and I'm really trying to graduate top 10% of my class and just hearing a friend tell me that is amazing because it allows me to check in with myself too like when I hear another friend doing something really beneficial for them that requires self-discipline and focus it makes me go, wait, 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 am I not focused enough right now? Like, am I being too loosey Goose or whatever? So having a friend like that drives me to keep the same work ethic and discipline. And then with her too, it's great conversing about personal life and dating and all these different things because she'll just give me honest thoughts. Like even recently she was like, hey, you know, even recently she was like, it would be hard for me to see you in a legitimate, serious relationship um, until you are like super established in your career because, you know, we're both very career-driven. And I, I resonated with that a lot because I will say, and there's actually a portion of this episode I'll get into, where I you have to think long-term and you have to think what's your number one priority right now. And for both of us, it's really not about relationships. And that's okay. You know, if if being in a relationship and having a family within the next two years is a priority for you, there's nothing wrong with that as well. I think it's just a matter of being self-aware of what that priority is. And so, for both of us, we keep in mind that long-term goal. However, I am not opposed to another serious relationship. I mean, my last one was pretty much all of college. So, My next one would be my first relationship out of college. And I would have to really evaluate if that would throw me for a spin while I'm really climbing my own career ladder, so to speak. But it's nice to have a friend that is so mindful about her career and then looks out for me in that way too and helps me think long term because there's certainly friends I can think of, uh, especially from college, where I know they would not necessarily sacrifice their career, but kind of put a relationship first. And that's okay, too. But I, I would also realize, like, if I go to those people and ask them for an opinion, then I have to be prepared for a biased view of, well, their number one priority right now is kind of about a relationship or having a family by 27 or 28, which is fine, but then I have to keep that in mind, you know? Another similar friend that I have, who I also met uh, after college um, in New York City, actually, she works hard, she's in interior design, and she goes between New York and Miami for client work, and we were having this conversation at dinner the other night, just about, we were kind of joking, but also serious in a way of where we would hope to be five seven years from now um you know for both of us like if we're both ideally still in New York City or in her case she would love to be between New York and Miami or New York and Florida and you know we're making jokes like oh you know by then if we have like kids they might be similar age and like all these things and just kind of joking about like oh it'd be nice to, like bring them to brunch and and all that and um It feels great when you can have those conversations with girlfriends like that because there's plenty of times where in the past, I know if I would bring something like that up, like just a audacious vision or dream of of how I would want to be living my life at the age of 32, you know, let's say. I know there are certain people in my past friendships that would be kind of judgmental and kind of be thinking I dream too big, right? And so it sucks. It sucks when that's the case. But that's why you have to be really mindful about who you surround yourself with. Like You don't want to be around people that makes you feel bad for having such a big dream like people that tell you that your dreams are too big or that it's too audacious or, or that it's too ballsy for that age because I don't know since when dreams and um, you know whatever lifestyle is based on your age but to me that's always been kind of a red flag in a way with friendships because it shows a misalignment and, and more importantly a friend that that doesn't support you and and also root for you in that practical but also audacious way, That's that's not great to have either, right? You don't want that kind of energy around you. So it was great to talk to one of my friends over dinner about just our audacious dreams. And and for her too, like she works on some weekends. She doesn't really go out that much. I would say I go out more than her to to bars or lounges. Um, In fact, like the other night we went out together, but we were both kind of mindful of like not staying out too late. And she even was like, yeah, I have Pilates in the morning. And I'm like, okay, that's inspiring to me. Because when she told me she had Pilates, I was like, okay, Emily, you need to get a workout in today. And then I did all because... I had a friend that was like I'm doing pilates and I'm like I must hit the gym for 30 minutes at least. And so I would say it's a re- it's a compounding effect in a way where the more people you have around you that are always improving themselves or always staying on top of it, the more it will make you want to be on top of it as well because you don't you don't want FOMO on where you're at, you know. My next tip in having self-discipline is to think about what you want now versus what you want two to four years from now. There is a question in the card game that I think asks about where you would ideally want to be three to five years from now, something of that nature. And I had a listener DM me on the podcast Instagram asking me my thoughts on that question and where she's at because I think she gave me a gist of where she is or wants to be one to three years from now, but she said she couldn't envision where she was five years from now, but she could envision the feeling. And I told her that's exactly what you should be looking for because I agree, you, you can't predict where you will actually be, but you can envision who you want to be, where you are, your financial standing, how you feel, who you want to be with. Maybe it's a partner or like the certain friend group, whatever that is, right? So I'll give an example from my life and I'll give a warning. It's kind of audacious depending on what you've been exposed to um, in terms of like rent and, and where you live in the world. But if I were to say, okay, two years from now, what do I want? Where do I see myself? Well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is that I envision myself being able to afford a modern one-bedroom apartment in New York City, which would be around probably 3800 to 5000 a month approximately. And I guess what I'm really saying here is that I envision myself affording to live in New York City comfortably. That is the overarching goal. Right now, I live in a studio apartment and it's Nice, clean, modern, in a high-rise building. It's everything I could ask for in my first year in New York City. And I want to preface too, you can certainly find a one-bedroom apartment for under $3,800. No doubt at all. What I would be looking for though two years from now is something more modern and perhaps... Kind of on the luxury side. Again, that is just my personal preference. And I would dive into my thoughts and how I would, I guess you could say, reverse engineer that process and how I get there. Um, And I know the numbers, hearing those numbers hurt, like that kind of rent, right? Even my parents would squirm at that because they would never, ever pay for a one-bedroom at that price. And especially because they are immigrants. They came here from... Vietnam and the immigrant mentality for the most part has this mindset of uh, I I guess like you know they would considering where they came from they would just never pay that much for a one bedroom they would only be willing to pay that much maybe for like a four or five bedroom home in Texas or Florida or wherever you can get something cheaper okay which I totally get in fact I get told all the time like from even relatives in Australia, like, oh, you can get that much for your, you can be paying a mortgage on that for a mansion in Texas. And I tell them all the time, everyone that tells me like, oh my God, why do you pay that much in New York, right? I tell them this, sure, I could buy a 6,000 square foot mansion, quote unquote, in Texas, But what's the point of that when I would still want my view to be the Empire State Building or Manhattan Skyline? Let's say if I decided to live in Brooklyn at that point, right? And I will say as well, my living space and home is personally my number one priority. I know that's not for everyone. I I have plenty of friends that don't prioritize their living space as much because especially too, if you aren't home that much, you don't work from home and you're scope of work actually requires you to be outside of the home more, then that might not need to be a priority. Um, But for me, since it is, that's where I put most of my money and income compared to luxury bags and clothing and all of that. I'm actually a minimalist when it comes to my closet and goods, I guess, like consumer goods. And now that I don't have a car here... I am able to save on car insurance and just the cost of having a car. So that's also been nice to kind of offset that cost. But when it comes to breaking down, okay, how do I afford that rent? Or whatever in your case, how do I get there? How do I actually put myself in that position one, two years from now? For me, I would say I would have to do the following. Number one, I would have to increase my income slash revenue and number two, don't spend recklessly. I think a good rule of thumb um, as this is all over the internet as well is pretty much your gross income should be roughly three times your rent and so if you have a similar goal where it's related to being able to afford to live somewhere in a certain type of Building or apartment, then that's a great way for you to quantify your goal. So let's say your rent would be two thousand a month, then times that by three, and that's that should be where your gross income is. Or obviously more is better. So that's also a great way to put it too. I think a lot of people who are super wealthy in our living in places like Texas or Florida or the Midwest in the United States, the cost of living is so low. And so if your rent or your mortgage or whatever is like $2,000 a month and you're making $10,000, $15,000 a month, well then, you know, that's that's kind of how you have wealth. You just lower your cost of living. So there's many ways to, to do that. But in terms of how I don't spend recklessly, I focus on my money dials. This is something Ramit Sethi has spoken about. I would highly recommend reading his book as well as listening to some podcasts that he's been on, but he talks about having two, maybe three money dials, which are the core focus of your spending. So for example, if lattes make a big impact on your life then don't feel bad about spending five six dollars every day on lattes but then maybe alternatively you don't spend any money on a gym membership or pilates or soul cycle whatever something else that's also expensive right so you have to keep that in mind for me my money dials is focused on well-being and my home So in that case, 90% of my spending is in that, and then 10% is maybe in other aspects. And so when it comes down to well-being, that includes, yeah, my home environment, my physical fitness, like a Pilates class, and health, which is food I eat. In terms of sacrificing, I do have to sacrifice where I spend. And so for me, a big one in New York is to not Uber everywhere. I take the subway most of the time, um, which most of you guys might be like, yeah, that's normal, right? But I actually know plenty of people that even in my age group that primarily Uber or taxi, which is totally fine because those people might have less rent or they just might have more income to spare on ubers right so you kind of have to understand the the whole picture like the whole pie like how are you splitting your money up and as a fun fact I have a cardinal rule that I just only uber after 8 or 9 p.m depending on the night just for safety reasons also for convenience like if I'm going to dinner or especially after dinner I'm for sure ubering I'm not taking the subway after I have you know, had a glass or two of wine. That's just not my cup of tea. (laughs) Um, But then other ways I sacrifice too is I, I primarily cook Monday through Thursday and then I allow myself to eat out slash socialize with my friends Friday through Sunday or sometimes Thursday through Saturday. But I just give myself that window and I try to be really mindful about that And then other ways that I am able to be more concise about my spending is just utilizing what I already have. So for example, I have a home gym in my building, so I make sure I'm not stupid and spend on an Equinox membership or another gym membership, even if some of my friends are. In fact, like most of my friends have a gym membership somewhere, which is great, but since I have a nice gym in my building, and it's already part of my rent, it'd be really dumb for me to spend an additional, I don't know, 100, 200, I don't know how, you know, whatever the gym memberships are, it'd be dumb for me to spend more when I have that access right here. So it's just being mindful about that and not having FOMO like, oh, my friend has a membership here and all that stuff. Like, trust me, as a fitness guru or whatever, you like I, I love nice gyms as well, and I would love to be going to those places, but I just have to be mindful about where i'm spending and that's just the way i think long term um and then also thinking about again where i want to be one two three years from now and what that would cost in terms of increasing revenue at least in my scope of work that would mean more clients more hours and then of course to more sales in my other businesses including my merchandise um but part of that would Number one, include willingness to work on the weekends, which I already do, but probably maybe increasing the work a little bit. And number two, just overall being hungry and ready to chase slash hunt and have a do whatever it takes mentality, which I certainly had in my sales career. I worked in corporate sales for about like a year and a year and a half almost. And so to relate it back to you guys, if you are in a corporate job and you have a similar goal or vision for yourself one to three years down the line that involves needing to increase your income, well, there's other ways for you guys to do it as well. So number one would probably be to job hop because when you get a new job, you typically do get an increase in your income as far as the data shows. I believe it's like usually 10% more, uh, give or take. Sometimes, I think often more. Um, I have a friend actually who <laughs> listens to this podcast often, but I know she's she just moved to New York. She works a corporate job, but then she's also getting another part-time job at a fitness studio because she wants to ensure that she can comfortably live in New York uh, without having to sacrifice too much. And I think that's just a conversation you have to have with yourself as recognizing like, OK, if I move to an expensive city like New York or L.A. or whatever that is, then what do I need to do in order to live there in a comfortable way where I'm not too stressed out about my finances? Because I think that's usually one of the top Stressors for most people is finance or being able to afford a certain lifestyle. So it's usually one or the other. It's you you sacrifice that lifestyle or in this case like sacrifice living in New York or sacrifice whatever and then you can still have the same job and make the same income or you can be ready to work on the weekends. So in my friend's case, she's working a corporate job and then I believe she's also going to work part-time on the weekends and or certain evenings right or certain mornings whatever that might be and so you just you just have to be self-aware like what are you willing to do in order to make it work my last thoughts on the self-discipline and focus aspect you have to recognize that anyone that has ever quote-unquote made it in their own industry or in life or whatever you like to say They have all made sacrifices. Someone that I look up to a lot is Kobe Bryant. He was always the first one in and the last one out. He was up at 4 a.m. and getting his practice in. And he was just always hungry to do more. He was always ready to outwork his competitors. And that's just what you have to do in order to... Live that dream life you want. And of course, that's why he is a legendary basketball player and rest in peace, Kobe. But another example of that is a recent podcast guest, Jacqueline Pascacello, who is the CEO of Hayware. She took a $70,000 pay cut to go into hospitality from finance. I think she was in investment banking. And she mentioned on our conversation that she ate out less and she just simply did less while living in New York City and she did that for many years while she was building her career in hospitality and then you know after many years she left hospitality and went into something else and was usually head of operations or something in the operations field and was COO of a startup that got acquired and then now she's a CEO. But the key lesson for both of them is that they were always thinking long term. They were making sacrifices that are really, really difficult to make in the moment because the laziness in us, the the oh, I don't feel like doing it in us, will, it will get to you. It will. Always, it gets to all of us. It gets to me all the time as well. But you have to remind yourself that if you want what you say you want, whatever it is in your life, then you have to be willing to give up whatever it is in order to get that. And I'll leave you guys with one last thought as well. You can be part of the average, right? Which is, there's totally nothing wrong with it. Or you can be an outlier. But that's your choice to make. And if you are going to be an outlier living your dream life or living the life you want for yourself, whatever that is, You have to make that decision and ultimately it is your choice. That was all for today's episode focused on the topic of maintaining self-discipline and your own laser focus in your life even if your friends or your community of people are not doing so. I hope this episode was valuable to you and that you were listening to this during a time that you really needed this message because I love when that happens when I'm listening to a podcast and I'm like, ooh, I really needed this right now. So, hope this was helpful. If it was, please let me know. Share this on your Instagram stories and tag at what You. Send me a DM. You guys know that I love chatting with you guys personally. And of course, it would totally make my day if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple or Spotify. On Apple, I know you can, of course, leave an actual review. So I do appreciate your feedback. Even if you do have some critical feedback, um, feel free to let me know in the DMs or in the reviews as well. So thank you again for supporting the show. I will chat with you all next time.